Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 41 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about examining your own hunter ethics and your morality when it comes around to the sport that we all so much love and want to pass on to future generations. Many wildlife professionals and many hunters and outdoor enthusiasts consider Aldo Leopold to be the father of wildlife management. He was a conservationist, a forester, philosopher, educator, writer, and an outdoor enthusiast. Among one of his best-known ideas is the land ethic, which calls for an ethical, caring relationship between people and nature. He believed that we can only be ethical in relation to something we can see, understand, feel, love, or otherwise have faith in. He believed that direct contact with the natural world was crucial in shaping our ability to extend our ethics beyond our own self-interest. Aldo Leopold is best known for his book titled A Sand County Almanac. To date, this book has sold more than 2 million copies. So being the father of wildlife management, he said, ethical behavior is doing the right thing when no one else is watching, even when doing the wrong thing is legal. To put it another way, good hunting ethics are not usually covered by written laws. The real question is, what is the definition of ethics? As I consider this question, I think of how often we hear people in general state something and then think to ourselves that he or she does not even know the meaning of that word. Or how often do we use the wrong word in place of the right and correct word? Regarding hunting, the word ethics or ethical is one of those words that is often misused. What is ethical hunting? What is ethical hunting behavior? Does everything we do in hunting get boiled down to ethics, or do we use the word to justify why or why we're using that particular method of hunting? 
let's consider the word hunting camp. Words that can usually conjure great memories of past hunts and anticipation of the upcoming hunting season. Hunting camps are fun places. They're usually made up of family and friends who add to the overall hunting experience. Hopefully, everyone knows everyone else's personality and the season ends with no real personal problems between the members. When there are problems, it normally can be attributed to one of two issues. The first has to do with an individual not following the rules set forth by the camp, or second, an individual who takes it upon himself or herself to pick up the mantle of camp ethics police. Often, the terms ethics and morals are incorrectly used interchangeably. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, ethics comprise a set of moral principles or morals as a set of individual beliefs concerning what is right or what is wrong. Ethics, on the other hand, is correct and proper behavior within an activity. Morals or morality is an individual's subjective preference regarding correct and proper behavior. Not everyone has identical morality, nor do they rank their morals the same. Hunting ethics can fall within two categories. The first category consists of universal behaviors every hunter is expected to follow. These behaviors are usually called hunter ethics. The second category contains behaviors that may vary between different hunters. This category addresses hunter morals or morality. The first category of hunting ethics contains actions that every hunter is expected, if not required, to follow. If a hunter violates these rules, there are normally legal or social ramifications. Game laws fall under this category. If an action is illegal, it is automatically unethical regarding hunting behavior. It is every hunter's responsibility to research, know, and understand all the laws pertaining to the game that is being hunted. Violations of game laws could lead to fines, imprisonment, loss of hunting privileges, or a combination of these punishments. An ethical hunter follows the game laws without any exception. Other ethical behaviors in this category are the rules set forth by the members of a hunting camp, a hunting lease, hunting clubs, and the like. Violations of these rules could result in club fines, suspension of membership or even removal, or expulsion from the lease or the camp. Some of these rules that dictate ethical behavior include the safe handling of firearms, handling them as they are all to be unloaded while in camp or when not in use. Other rules may pertain to tighter bag limits or antler point restrictions within existing game laws. These can be agreed upon by the members of the hunting club or the hunting lease partners. All this information needs to be researched, learned, and understood prior to the activity, and these are called the SOPs or the standard operating procedures of that particular facility. This information is also usually spelled out in some type of a contract that is signed by any agent or hunter that comes onto the property. It is your responsibility to know what's in that contract, to know what's in those rules and regulations, and it's your responsibility to follow them. The second category of these ethics contains behaviors that might vary between different hunters. This category addresses hunter morals or morality. 
An individual's ethics or morals is very personal among hunters. In this category, each hunter develops his or her own set of rules by which he or she lives and hunts by. These are the hunter ethics or morals that can change or evolve into beliefs that become more challenging as these are the actions normally not covered by the written law. A typical evolution of hunter ethics or morals would be in the case of a new hunter. This new hunter starts out with limited knowledge of the game that's being pursued. This hunter then matures into an experienced and successful hunter. This typical model might involve a new deer hunter, for example, looking for all the advice on hunting that he or she can get and taking advantage of any hunting opportunity that comes available. Just starting out, this particular hunter might seek out cull hunts to thin the doe herd on a ranch. They may hunt over a feeder or in states where it's legal to hunt from a vehicle. As this hunter's skills improve, he or she might make the personal choice not to hunt over a feeder. This is one example of how a hunter's ethics or morals evolve. Another example of a hunter's personal ethics evolving over time would be the very first time that he or she was able to go on a dove hunt. Those of you who have ever been dove hunting can relate. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of shotgun skills to be able to find the bird, track it, and shoot it. The average national number of shells it takes to put down one dove is nine. What that tells you is that nationally, we don't do very well at shotgun shooting. Our skills kind of suck. And for that, most of the time when you go to the gun range, you don't see very many people practicing shotgun shooting in anticipation of the upcoming dove season or waterfowl season. Come deer season, though, the rifle lines are full and you've oftentimes have to wait your turn or wait several hours before you can even get in the line on the bench to sight in your rifle. Shotgun shooting is different. So why is that? Why is it okay that the hunter does not practice their skills at being a successful wing shooter like they do when they're shooting uh, deer? So that said, uh, again, oftentimes shooting a moving target is a lot more difficult than a target that's standing still. So being a first-time dove hunter, sometimes it can be pretty frustrating, especially if you go to the field with others who are a little bit more experienced. They may be shooting and bagging birds, and you may be shooting and missing all day long. So if you're leaving the day, you've not had a successful day, you've had a lot of fun, but you've not taken any birds, but your friend has filled their bag limit, and then all of a sudden, right before you get back to the vehicles, you see a dove sitting on a branch. An ethical hunter decides whether or not that shot is for them. A first-time hunter, that may be a perfectly ethical choice to take that shot. If the hunter takes the shot of the sitting dove on the limb and they're successful, their day has new meaning. They've bagged their very first dove. Now, flash forward to several years down the way, if the same hunter has evolved in their ethics and morality and they see that same type of shot presenting itself, maybe that hunter who's evolved in their ethics won't take that shot, letting it pass to give that bird a more sporting or ethical chance because you, the hunter, have also grown in your own ethics. One hunter should never impose his or her personal hunter ethics on another.
Is it unethical to shoot a duck that's sitting on a pond? Is it unethical to wear blood-stained clothing in public or at restaurants after a successful hunt? Is it unethical to shoot that dove sitting on a tree limb? The answer is if it is not illegal, it's up to the individual hunter to make their choice whether their level of ethics and morality dictate if they're going to be able to take that shot or do that behavior. This does not mean to say that it's a good decision, but you should not call these actions unethical in pointing fingers at another hunter. Sometimes allowing a young first-time hunter to use more liberal legal hunting methods can be beneficial. Our goal as hunting mentors is to hook that young man or woman on our hunting and wildlife conservation heritage. Helping that first-time hunter to achieve some success with the very first harvest and then processing and eating his or her first animal is very crucial. I asked a game warden his opinion on personal ethics. He told me a story about personal ethics he said he will never forget. He was at the scene of a severely injured deer that was hit by a vehicle. After determining that the deer could not be saved, the warden put it down. Wanting to get the venison to a needy family, he pulled it off the road and field dressed it. As he was finishing up, he was approached by two laborers from Central America. They were in need of food, so the warden offered them the deer. The laborers immediately started digging through the gut pile. They retrieved the heart and liver and took possession of the deer. Before they left, they asked the game warden why he had thrown good meat away, pointing to the heart and liver. The game warden told me that was when he understood the real meaning of personal morality. Remember, personal morals are personal. Forcing your beliefs on others or accusing others of being unethical while following the game laws could, in itself, be considered unethical behavior. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters, and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow us on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.